Welcome to The Gaggle, a politics podcast by the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. I'm Yvonne Winget Sanchez with Ron Hansen. This is episode four of five. Yvonne and I are reading our new series on AZ Central and the Arizona Republic, detailing the origins and outcomes of the state Senate's ballot review. Think of it as the audiobook version of our stories. It also includes reporting from Republic reporters Jen Fifield, Robert Anglin, and Mary Jo Pitzel. After you listen to the podcast, you're going to want to look at AZ Central for lots of extras, from videos to documents to background stories on the whole thing. Your subscriptions to AZ Central and the Arizona Republic help support this kind of journalism. On the day in March that Ken Bennett joined the state Senate's ballot review team, he wanted a Democrat to join him. Bennett, the Republican former state Senate president and secretary of state, was well known in conservative circles, but he wanted to add bipartisan credibility to a Republican-led effort cast as a forensic audit of Maricopa County's election results. He called his friend, Afan Rodriguez, the recently retired Pima County recorder, Rodriguez, a Democrat, oversaw more than 280 elections over 28 years in office. She laughed. Ken, you don't have enough money to pay me to do that, she remembered telling him on March 23rd. There's a no-win situation in that one. No matter what comes out, we know in politics there's a fall person. You'll get nothing out of this, Ken. Absolutely nothing. That same day, Helen Purcell, the former Republican Maricopa County recorder told Bennett why she had turned down the job as liaison to the ballot review that he had just taken. I just don't think any good can come of this, she told him. Three days later, Bennett contacted the Arizona Democratic Party, whose leaders were roundly skeptical the review would be fair or boost public confidence. They declined to participate. On March 28th, Bennett began reaching out to Pete Rios, the former Democratic state senator from Pinal County, who is a former county supervisor there as well. I need your help, Rios remembered Bennett saying when they finally spoke on April 1st. You're the first one I thought of. Rios said he needed several days to consider the offer. In truth, he doubted he would do it. Only his respect for Bennett kept him from turning it down flat. After consulting three fellow Democrats, all of whom warned against joining a fiasco, Rios told Bennett he couldn't take the job. Ken, my D's will hang me if there's some question at the end of this audit that says that there was fraud when there really wasn't, Rios told Bennett in April. Bennett had a similar sense. The R's will kill me too, Bennett said. I'm going to do the best I can to get to the bottom of this and just try to prove to people that elections in Arizona are safe. When we find that, as I assume we will, Republicans are going to be upset at me, but I'm willing to take that chance. When she agreed to force a review of Maricopa County's ballots, Arizona Senate President Karen Fan, a Republican from Prescott, was pulled into an operation that brought together President Donald Trump's network of confidants, fundraisers, media allies, and conspiracy theorists. Fan, a previously low-profile lawmaker known for her pragmatic conservatism, said the effort was all about restoring confidence in elections, highlighting problems, and crafting better laws. 
But those who paid millions for it wanted the ballot review to be all about overturning President Joe Biden's victory over Trump, or at least cast doubt on it for conservatives. The process morphed into an internationally scrutinized spectacle that dragged on for months inside a sports arena once known as the Madhouse on McDowell. Events unfolded on cable news channels and social media like a political Rorschach test. To some conservatives, the review created a state-level model to explore theories explaining a defeat they couldn't accept and a reason for sympathetic donors to raise money for future election battles. To others, it was a bizarre distraction from reality led by amateurs, a gaff-prone operation conducted to nurse Trump's wounded ego and pad the pockets of grifters. It only took a handful of state lawmakers and a $150,000 contract to get the review going. Five months later, the hand recount found Biden defeated Trump by a slightly larger margin than the official county results. The contractors who did the work didn't speak much about the count. They tried to raise other questions. Far from bolstering public confidence, the often secretive ballot review deepened suspicions of election fraud among Trump supporters. It laid bare intra-party battles within the GOP and widened the partisan gulf separating Democrats and Republicans. Election experts across the political spectrum dismissed the process as worthless because it fell well below industry standards. But to Fan and many Republicans, the review provided a tangible response to a deluge of complaints over Trump's loss. It also helped the GOP and related interests break in cash and made Fan a star in conservative circles. Taxpayers, meanwhile, incurred millions of dollars in extra costs for security, lawyers, and replacing balloting machinery used in just one federal election. In a four-month investigation, the Arizona Republic examined a trove of text messages, emails, and court records, many made public after suing the state for access. Republic reporters spoke to decision-makers, consultants, staff, contractors, campaign aides, and others tied to the review of the presidential and U.S. Senate races in Maricopa County. Some talked on the record about their experiences, while others spoke on the condition they not be identified in order to speak candidly about private conversations. With Fan presiding, Arizona gave Trump the ballot review he desperately wanted. Other states, such as Pennsylvania, Texas, and Wisconsin, are now working on variations. If the trend continues into the 2022 cycle, it could mark a triumph of partisan extremism over professional election management. As a court fight continued in early 2021 over control of Maricopa County's ballots, Fan was busy building a partisan team to handle a recount should the Senate win. Fan had talked with Trump and Giuliani after the election. She spoke with retired Army Colonel Phil Waldron, a Trump ally who was working with Giuliani and had cast himself as an election security expert, Javon Pulitzer, who claims to have invented ballot inspection technology, and Randy Pullen, a certified public accountant who once led the state Republican Party. In January, Fan texted Waldron. She and other lawmakers had already met with him when he came with Giuliani after the election to press the legislature to change Arizona's electors. Fan seemed set to hire the Texas company Waldron was working with, Allied Security Operations Group, 
which already helped lead the analysis used in a failed legal challenge to the election results in a Michigan county. On January 29th, a Senate spokesman sent her a draft of a news release to announce Allied would be hired to conduct a forensic audit. She told the staffer the company couldn't yet be named, emails showed. Please just say we have selected our own independent, qualified forensic auditing firm, Fan wrote back. On February 5th, Fan pivoted to what she called Plan B after news reports that Waldron could be involved. She texted Waldron there were efforts afoot to trash Allied, to move the focus away from what we are legitimately seeking. The same day, she texted Doug Logan, a rural Floridian and CEO of a small cybersecurity firm called Cyber Ninjas. She later told the Republic she found him in a list of recommended analysts that she got, but she didn't remember exactly who had suggested him. The full contents of Fan and Logan's messages remain undisclosed, but Logan must have made an impression. In an interview, Fan said she wanted a review that would inspire broad public confidence and stand as a template for others. Now let's find one or two good people that absolutely have immaculate reputations, Fan told the Republic on February 12th. She said the effort would produce something we could all trust and know they are going to do a good job and that this would set a standard moving forward, not just Arizona, but all states. That is what I envisioned we could do. By February 27th, Fan wondered in a text exchange if Waldron could vouch for Logan and Cyber Ninjas. There is no way we can contract with Allied or Jovan, although I know Allied is fully capable and probably the best in the field, Fan wrote. Yes, ma'am. Doug is very reputable, Waldron replied. Thank you. That makes me feel more comfortable, Fan texted. Waldron and Logan had been working for months under Trump allies to try to overturn the election results. Logan had worked under Allied Security Operations Group in the Antrim County, Michigan case, and he had worked with lawyer Sidney Powell and stayed at the property of lawyer Lynn Wood as he tried to convince courts and federal lawmakers of voting fraud in an effort to block Biden's presidency. Fans said she spent hundreds of hours interviewing and researching potential contractors. I can't open up the yellow pages and say, you know, here are forensic auditors. They're just not there, she said on the nightly PBS public affairs show, Arizona Horizon. Literally, it was, you know, talking to other senators, talking to other states, talking to the Federal Election Commission, talking to everybody, she said. And interesting enough, the more I started asking questions, this, that, and the other, I actually had people that started talking to me, calling me, and saying, hey, have you checked these guys out? It was truly just a lot of, a lot of conversations that finally led to this. Fan noted that one potential contractor's bid ran into the millions. She had committed $150,000 from the Senate's budget for it and left the rest of the cost to private donors. Despite fans' stated desire for a review to bolster public confidence in elections, the selection of Cyber Ninjas cemented its partisanship. As he worked alongside Trump allies, in December, Logan had tweeted, hashtag Stop the Steal, the rallying cry for those claiming a stolen election across the country. He shared a post claiming fraud occurred, and people better get wise fast. 
He compared the U.S. election to Venezuela's and said he was ashamed how few Republicans are talking about it. His conspiratorial partisan bent didn't disqualify him in fans' mind to examine Maricopa County's ballots. Meanwhile, she was hearing from scores of people who wanted her to use Pulitzer, who claims he invented a technology that can evaluate whether a ballot is real. Pulitzer is a former treasure hunter and author of a book titled How to Cut Off Your Arm and Eat Your Dog. But he's perhaps best known for developing a cat-shaped barcode reader dubbed one of the biggest technology flops in modern history. On January 25th, he had talked with Fan about his detection process while she was researching potential contractors. In an email to her, he wrote, My only goal is to bring voter confidence to American voters, and as such, they do not trust any machines used in the vote. By then, he had tried to get Georgia lawmakers to take note of his kinematic artifact detection and had become a revered figure in election conspiracy circles. In an effort to play a role in the ballot review, he urged his fans to email Arizona lawmakers. It wasn't helping his case. Jovan posting on YouTube and Twitter is not helping us with selecting an independent, unbiased auditing firm, Fan texted Waldron in February. Days later, she added, He has got to stop these YouTubes. It's having a negative effect on the credibility of our audit. Later, she asked Waldron for advice on how to deal with Pulitzer and his followers. The text exchange reveal how Fan relied on Waldron's familiarity with others whom she later hired. I've been trying to ignore him, but he's inciting the crowds who are now demanding we use him or no one else. Should I continue to ignore, or should I reach out to at least get a proposal, she texted. I don't know how any of us could honestly use him and keep our credibility. Waldron reminded her of something he had previously told her while in her office one day. Jovan's technology hasn't been used in a forensic audit of election ballots to date. Pulitzer claimed in a sworn statement to have developed technology that can distinguish whether ballots are fraudulent or not by analyzing paper folds and markings. Those mailed, he said in the affidavit, should contain kinetic markers because of their handling and folding. Fraudulent ballots would lack those markers, he has said. Asked specifically by the Republic to explain his technology and how it was used in the ballot review, if at all, Pulitzer declined. On February 26th, a Maricopa County Superior Court judge effectively cleared the way for the ballot review to proceed after upholding subpoenas issued by the state Senate to examine the county's ballots and election system. The county didn't appeal the ruling, to the surprise of some. County officials had long said they only wanted a court order requiring them to do what was otherwise not permitted by law. Even so, the county didn't hand over the ballots for another 55 days as it waited for the Senate to finalize who would run the ballot inspection and where it would take place. Fan formally announced on March 31st that Cyber Ninjas would oversee the review. The firm's contract with the Arizona Senate used soft language and didn't list clear-cut expectations. There was little holding Cyber Ninjas accountable for producing inaccurate or incomplete results. The review reliant on Trump partisans, lacked transparency from the beginning. Pullen, the former state GOP chairman, 
was deeply involved in the effort, but that wasn't publicly known until weeks into the ballot count. On March 2nd, Poland texted Reince Priebus, Trump's former chief of staff, that he was assisting on the ballot review and asked if Priebus, an attorney, had any conflicts or knew of any election audit firms. Let me check, Priebus responded. We get one shot at this audit and it needs to be done right, Poland texted back. After days passed, Poland texted again a few times asking for a good attorney and a draft audit plan. The text suggests Poland sought Priebus, an attorney, to work on the Arizona Review. On March 31st, Poland texted a friend about the selection of cyber ninjas. I researched them and wrote a couple of pages of notes on their proposal that were added to the plan. Later, he sent Priebus a link to a nonprofit group raising money for the effort. Poland also solicited funds through Jeff DeWitt, a former high-level Trump campaign official and ex-state treasurer. While Poland still wasn't publicly identified with the effort, Fan kept him apprised of some details of the still-evolving review. She blind-copied him on emails to Bennett, Logan, and others. Neither Poland nor Priebus responded to the Republic's request for comment. The ballot review's supporting cast of contractors didn't lack for color, but had little experience with election procedures and data. Logan brought on partisan analysts who had worked for Trump allies. The person he hired to lead the examination of voting machines had worked for Allied Security, the company Waldron worked with, in the Michigan court case attempting to prove voting machine fraud. Election experts elsewhere had debunked claims the machines were designed to allow for vote switching. Cyber Ninjas also hired Wake Technology Services Incorporated, a Pennsylvania-based company that often worked in the healthcare industry. Sidney Powell's organization, Defending the Republic, hired Wake in December to do a Republican-ordered ballot review in Fulton County, Pennsylvania. The America Project, an organization run by Patrick Byrne, the former CEO of Overstock.com, screened the workers for the ballot review. Workers registered on the organization's website, fundtheaudit.com, and needed to pass background checks and sign non-disclosure agreements to participate. The organizations led by Byrne and Michael Flynn, a former national security advisor for Trump, paid Cyber Ninjas most of the millions of dollars it collected to run the ballot review. Before his involvement in the ballot review, Byrne quit his post at Overstock in 2019 after disclosing he had had a romantic relationship with Maria Butina, a Russian spy who went to prison for operating as a covert foreign agent. Federal authorities found she had infiltrated the National Rifle Association and established ties with conservatives on behalf of the Kremlin. Adding to the conspiracy-minded crowd, Fan, late in the review process, hired Shiva Ayatarai to review voter signatures on mail-in ballot envelopes. Ayatarai, who was once married to actress Fran Drescher, has four degrees from the Massachusetts Institute of Technology and claimed to have invented email when he was a high school student. Dr. Shiva, as he is known, also was a two-time failed U.S. Senate candidate in Massachusetts who claimed election officials there had deleted a million ballot images from his 2020 primary loss. Twitter suspended Ayatarai's account in 2020 after he had posted misinformation about the coronavirus, saying it could be treated with vitamin C. 
With Maricopa County's ballots and voting machines in hand, and with contractors in place, Arizona moved ahead amid doubts that the cast fan had assembled was up to the job. Cyber Ninjas operated the review from Arizona Veterans Memorial Coliseum, the saddle-shaped arena that once served as the home of the NBA's Phoenix Suns. The work inside the Coliseum began April 23rd and, with a brief break for high school graduations, continued at the state fairgrounds until late July. Bennett said Fan and the Senate's GOP leaders considered some of the other buildings at the Arizona State Fairgrounds. Until, almost like an afterthought, a person on Doug's staff said, let's just look at the Coliseum, just for giggles, Bennett recalled. They fell in love with it. It provided a spacious floor area that would provide light and ample room for cameras and other equipment, Bennett said. The building is lightly used in the spring, which seemed to be enough time to review the 2.1 million ballots. The county sent over 46 shrink-wrapped pallets holding 1,692 boxes of ballots and other election material. They were placed in cages made of chain-link fencing. The night before the recount began, Logan and Bennett appeared at a news conference. Logan wanted to talk about the unique process his team had created for reviewing the ballots. Journalists wanted to talk about who was paying them. It made for a tense gathering. Few understood how the review would work and who was really behind it. Already, though, Trump's team knew its importance. That night, standing inside the Coliseum, Logan received a call from Giuliani. A member of the media said they had Rudy Giuliani on the phone and asked Mr. Logan if he wanted to say hello, said Rod Thompson, a spokesman for Cyber Ninjas. Of course, he was courteous and respectful to such an important person in American history and took the phone. Thompson didn't say who the media member was, but one TV personality with a connection to Giuliani was there. One American news correspondent, Christina Bob worked with Giuliani on election fraud allegations in the early days after the election, and she co-founded one of the nonprofits that funded the ballot review. From the start, the ballot inspection process was haphazard. Volunteers showed up to the Coliseum the first day to wait in an hour-long line, their cars stretching out to McDowell Road. Google shut down the sign-up sheet the night before, and leaders of the review scrambled to find a list of people approved to observe the process. Before the counting began, Logan showed observers, including Arizona Republic reporter Jen Fifield, the setup on the arena floor. Fifield pointed out to Logan that the ballot counters had blue pens to make tally marks for each vote they counted on a ballot. Election officials only permit using red ink during ballot counting because that is the one color the machines cannot read. If an auditor used any color other than red, it could change the appearance of the voter selections. Logan said he thought only black pens could be used on ballots. He walked away to check and later replaced the blue pens with green ones. That day, workers labored to get everything up and running. The sheets the workers used to track ballots posed a problem. The computer program used to track ballots and vote counts for each box of ballots was set up to read numbers up to three digits long, but some boxes had more than 1,000 ballots. At one point, 
A manager at one table thought the volunteers were counting test ballots. They were real. The day after the ballot inspections began, the project captured the attention of those gathered 2,000 miles away for a fundraiser at Trump's Mar-a-Lago Club in Palm Beach, Florida. Among the speakers was Congressman Andy Biggs, a Republican from Arizona and staunch Trump supporter who claimed fraud in the presidential election and was singled out as instrumental to the Stop the Steal effort by one of its organizers. Biggs, who chairs the conservative House Freedom Caucus, invoked the Arizona Senate's efforts while addressing a crowd of donors at a 10,000-per-couple VIP host event. As days passed back in Arizona, the Coliseum became a quiet hive of monotony. Activities were live-streamed, but there was little information about what was actually happening. Logan usually remained holed up in the concourse, out of sight from the gathered media. Bennett often walked from the concourse into the arena, inspecting the operation. The volunteers, many of whom came from law enforcement and conservative groups, spread out in color-coded shirts across the Coliseum floor at dozens of circular tables with devices to hold a ballot that spun around for a quick inspection. Three people at each table reviewed the presidential and Senate selections for each ballot, they recorded the selections as they saw them. There were workers to place each ballot onto the spinner and to remove them. The routine took seconds to move from one ballot to another to another. Other workers toiled at a row of rectangular tables set up with cameras hanging above metal frames. One person loaded ballots onto the table, snapped an image of one side of a ballot, turned it over, and snapped the other side while another worker viewed the pictures on computer screens next to them. The data and images were periodically uploaded to a refrigerator-sized black server in the center of the floor, cordoned off with belt barriers. Dozens of white security cameras hung 10 feet overhead from tubular aluminum poles scattered across the arena floor. Liz Howard served two five-day stints as an observer with the Secretary of State's office. She got to the Coliseum the week after the recount began and saw the spinning ballots in person. It seemed a strange and unorganized process to her. Howard, senior counsel at the nonpartisan Brennan Center for Justice, said she believes the ballots spun far too quickly to get a good look at two different races. Arizona Republic observers noted it sometimes only took five seconds for a ballot to be placed on the turntable and whiz past three workers. It's reminiscent of Lucy and Ethel and the Chocolate Factory, Howard said, referring to the famous I Love Lucy episode where the women are overwhelmed by the pace of a conveyor belt for candy. None of the contractors at the Coliseum had experience running elections or conducting election reviews before 2020. Most weren't from Maricopa County. That's why Carol Parsons came in handy. Parsons, a Republican who lives in Chandler, worked for weeks inside the Coliseum, first as a ballot inspector and then in management. Organizers promoted her once they realized she knew what she was doing, she said. Parsons has often worked temporary jobs in the Maricopa County Elections Department. She said it was clear Cyber Ninjas didn't understand election protocols. One example. As a ballot inspector, 
She and other workers were told initially to wave ultraviolet lights over the ballots to look for glowing splatter marks. As the public wondered what the workers were doing, John Brakey, an elections activist who was serving as an advisor to the ballot review, said in a TV interview that the workers were searching for bamboo, following a conspiracy theory that illegal ballots had been cast from South Korea. But the yellow marks they were looking for, called printer stenography, were remnants of the printing process and were not viewed as significant. The contractors stopped using the UV lights within weeks. They had no idea what they were looking for, Parsons said. Logan frequently asked her questions about the county's elections, she said, including how the county stored and tracked ballots. Parsons said it seemed to her that Logan looked disappointed when she offered benign explanations for the questions he raised. Logan responded in a statement from his spokesperson, saying that the Republic writes, What you have predetermined to write, regardless of what we say. Our comments, no matter how fact-based, don't change the story that is often based on only comments from someone else, the statement said. Most of what you are going to write on this is inaccurate. But regardless of what we say, you will run it anyway, because that has been the case all along. Meanwhile, images from the Coliseum floor indicated the ballot review was more partisan and less precise than Logan and his supporters were letting on. Early on, former state representative Anthony Kern, a Republican from Glendale and a Trump elector whose name appeared on all Arizona ballots, inspected the ballots for days. He remained in that role until Republic reporter Ryan Randazzo tweeted about the apparent conflict of interest. Bennett acknowledged at the time Kern's presence wasn't the best optics. At another point, Bennett and other workers went through ballots reserved for military personnel and citizens abroad. As they placed the ballots on a scale to weigh them, the ballots spilled onto the floor. Bennett maintained the ballots were carefully placed back in their box, but observers from the Arizona Secretary of State's office said Bennett and the workers failed to count the number of ballots to ensure all of them were replaced. Observers noticed that the contractors treated these ballots with less care and overheard comments by the contractors indicating that they believed those were not legitimate nor official ballots, Secretary of State Katie Hobbs, a Democrat, wrote in a report ahead of the review's findings. In the tallying process, Hobbs noted that the three counters examining the same ballots did not all have to agree on the candidate choices for each ballot. This process failure is fatal to the entire endeavor and no count resulting from this process should be relied upon for any purpose other than as an example of procedures that should not be used, she wrote. Logan's absence on the floor was part of the problem, Parsons said. For a short time, Parsons worked as a human relations manager, sitting next to Logan in the manager's cubes in the break room area that had been set up in the Coliseum, out of public view. Logan worked long hours at his desk, Parsons said, huddled over his laptop, wearing headphones. Logan rarely ventured on the arena floor where volunteers reviewed the ballots. When he was, he breezed by, easily recognizable with his center-parted hair, leading tours of out-of-state lawmakers or political candidates, unlocking ballot cages or giving brief direction to the managers on the floor. Logan, often in a button-down shirt and khaki pants, stood out on the floor from the workers in their primary-colored T-shirts. 
Logan spoke softly to the managers he led and offered handshakes to workers in the halls, even the observers with the Secretary of State's office. Parsons said when organizers added a third shift of workers, Logan told her not to tell the Secretary of State's office when it would happen. He didn't want to start something new and have the office's observers there to see it, she said. To me, it was kind of suspicious, Parsons said. She said Logan sometimes acknowledged weaknesses in his system on the spot. When a Secretary of State observer pointed out that the trucks transporting ballots during one of the moves did not have locks, Logan suggested they add them, the observers noted in a final report. But often such issues didn't make it to Logan, Parsons said. When they did, she said, Logan frequently left others to decide, and in some cases, no one made a decision at all. Managers determined one worker took tally sheets and a flash drive with data home with him. They recommended Logan fire him. The worker remained on the job, Parsons said. Logan's indecisiveness left the two contractors running the day-to-day -day operations, Wake TSI and Scottsdale-based Strattech Solutions, fighting for power, according to many accounts. Ryan Macias, an observer for the Secretary of State's office, said there were obvious conflict and communication problems between Wake and Stratech. Managers and others approached him on the Coliseum floor to confide their frustrations. Meanwhile, Bennett was beginning to annoy insiders, such as Waldron, who had agreed to take a backseat role but remained involved behind the scenes. Waldron, in a since-deleted video posted online by Prescott conservative activist Lyle Rapaki, criticized Bennett for overstepping his liaison role and creating operational problems. I've seen quite a bit of misinformation coming from the liaison officer, probably because he is not operationally involved and shouldn't be putting out information, Waldron said. Shouldn't be talking about things he doesn't know about. Waldron emphasized that cyber ninjas would make the decisions for running the ballot review, not Bennett or the Senate. The recount dragged on far longer than expected. Logan had predicted the work would be done in 14 days and volunteers would be out of the Coliseum by the time they needed to pack up for the scheduled high school graduations. They were not even close to halfway done when the Senate's lease ended May 14th. When they came back from a break more than a week later, the power structure had been upended. Pullen's involvement became publicly known for the first time. Journalists were told Pullen was the new spokesperson. Inside the Coliseum, Macias realized something had changed the minute he walked in the door. The people working the sign-in tables and managing the tables were different. Wake TSI was gone. In the media, Pullen downplayed the changes. Strattech took over. The transition would be seamless, he said. But inside the Coliseum, Parsons said, it was a mismanaged mess. Partisanship and special treatment she saw convinced her the review could not be fair. Parsons ultimately was fired by audit organizers. She provided a security list to the Republic, showing people who had access to the ballot review. It included local conservatives such as Jim Lehman, a Republican candidate for U.S. Senate who helped pay for the audit security, Thomas Lane, who was the director of Donald Trump's campaign operations in Arizona on Election Day, and audit activists Shelby Bush and Steve Robinson. Austin Steinbart, 
a leader in the QAnon movement, sometimes known as Baby Q, appeared on the security list as an employee of Cyber Ninjas. He spent 225 days in prison for trying to extort a file-sharing company. He was released in April and joined the ballot review not long afterward. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Gaggle. This is part four of a five-part series. Before you go, please rate and review our show and share this episode with a friend. If you want to reach out to me on Twitter, I'm at Yvonne Winget. And I'm at Ronald J. Hansen. That's H-A-N-S-E-N. Today's episode was edited and produced by Amanda Liberto. There are lots of supporting pictures, videos, text messages, and documents on our website, azcentral.com. We invite you to subscribe to AZ Central and read the Arizona Republic. Mm-hmm.